Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pop Culture on the Rocks. My name is Anna, and I'm here with Callan, and it is Thanksgiving tomorrow as we are recording this, so very excited to talk about all things turkey food and just being thankful. Oh, yeah. What are you thankful for, Anna? I am thankful for this podcast to bring us <laughs> together every week and all the drinks we have. And all of the Amazing Race episodes that we listen to, or watch, I should say. What about you? Took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm thankful for all of the TV we have to watch and endless content that there is to talk about. It's true. 2020, you know, there are some things we can be thankful for. There are a few things out there still. Definitely. Well, speaking of being thankful and having time to watch things, what have you been watching recently? So, instead of watching, I will talk about something that I've been listening to. I have actually listened to two seasons now of Even the Rich podcast, which if you don't know, yeah, (laughs) came from Anna's recommendation She actually educated me and our listeners on it a few episodes ago. So if you don't know what it's all about, what all the seasons are, then definitely go check out that episode and you'll get the whole explanation of it. But I've listened to now the Diana to Megan season and the Beyonce and Jay-Z season. So I have been very entertained. I feel like I've learned more about stuff I already knew about, just like more in depth. Yeah. So that's been nice. I feel more informed. It, it's a good length. Like it's only four episodes, four main yeah. episodes per season. So it's quick and entertaining. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I've enjoyed it as well. And and since we had that episode, they've come out with several more seasons. So always new content coming out, which is always fun. I appreciate that. Brooke and Arisha, I appreciate you. Yes. <laughs> and Wondery is a great podcast distributor, I guess, production Mm -hmm. company. Pretty much everything I've listened to from Wondery has been really good. Yes, I completely agree. I think one of the first, like, true crime podcasts that I listened to is actually from you for Dirty John, which Mm -hmm. was LA Times and Wondery, I believe, that did it together. Mm -hmm. And, like, ever since then... If something says Wondery on it, I'm probably going to check it out because Mm -hmm. it tends to, to me, it has a good reputation for having good content. So yeah, that's a good point. Wondery's where it's at. Maybe one day we'll make it on Wondery. Who knows? Wow. What a dream. (laughs) (laughs) What a wonder. (laughs) Yes, I... I feel like everything I listen to on there, it's just put together really well, very concise. You get all of the information and you don't feel like it's dragged out. And I feel like Mm -hmm. some other podcasts I've listened to, the content is a little dragged out. Yes, like they're trying to fill in as many episodes with as little information as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it can get annoying. So big props to them. What have you been watching? Well, like you, I um, am actually not going to talk about something I've been watching. Okay. So I actually started a book today called Creativity Inc. Written by Ed Catmull and Amy Wallace. So I'm assuming Amy Wallace helped him write it. So Ed is one of the co-founders of Pixar And he's the president of Walt Disney Animation. And this book's actually from 2014, so obviously it's a little dated. But it's kind of like... I'm three chapters in so far, so obviously I don't know everything yet. But it's kind of like partly his memoir, which he says this is not a memoir. But it kind of talks about his life, like where he started out and how he ended up like meeting Steve Jobs, meeting John Lasseter, and how they created Pixar together. And then... It also kind of includes almost like a leadership aspect. So it talks about how to cultivate an environment of creativity and teamwork. And he, he kind of talks about how he values 
really trusting your employees and not having so much oversight over all of them and trusting that they'll get done what they need to get done and motivate themselves. So that was kind of interesting. Like I'm, I'm not a businesswoman in that I don't own a business or I'm not like a manager or anything. Like I don't oversee any people like employees, but I still find it super interesting just like how businesses like that are kind of revolutionary in the in the way that they strategize like their hierarchy and setup and things like that especially in an environment like Pixar where he talks about how animation is like a combination of art and science because he actually wanted to be an animator as a child but he was like not a great artist visual artist but he was super into animation super into computers And so he majored in computer science and physics and just talked about how it's possible to put those two things together, to be able to put science and art together to make the first full-length feature computer animated film, aka Toy Story. So yeah, it's been really good so far. Like I said, I haven't gotten very far into the book, but it's been very interesting. And to me, it seems like it'll be entertaining and not like too like business strategy if that makes sense I'm into it so far you're not trying to read like a managerial kind of <laughs> book yeah exactly <laughs> like you know there's some people who like to read those things and like need to read them for their occupation but that's not something I really seek out I don't know where the the book was recommended to me but yeah, it's been a good recommendation so far. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like what you said about the blending like art and science because mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I'm not really great at either one of those, but I feel like <laughs> with various topics, you feel like maybe I can't do this thing that I'm interested in because I'm not good at this one aspect of it. And it's cool how you can blend your skills into something and not just pigeonhole yourself into one thing if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah so it was it's really cool really interesting and just how like his life goal has been to make a full feature animated computer animated film which was toy story Mm -hmm. and so he's kind of like going back to his roots of like where it started with pixar And then figuring out, like, what's my next step? Like, after Toy Story came out, he's like, okay, now what do I do? Now that I've reached, like, my life goal that took, like, (laughs) 30 years to create. So that's been really interesting, too. Because I think a lot of people kind of fall into that where it's like, okay, I have my dream, whatever it may be, career, family, personal, something like that. You're kind of like, okay, well, I reached this ultimate goal I've always had. Now what do I do? What do you do when you've done (laughs) the only thing you've been focusing on for? Yeah, Yeah. right. Very cool. Recommend Creativity, Inc. I don't know how to connect creativity and uh, mixed beverages, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) What are you drinking this evening? This Thanksgiving Eve. Yes, Thanksgiving Eve. Mm. I'm having a nice glass of Chardonnay. Classy. Yes, very fancy this this Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> it's the brand Clos de Bois. It's a, a really good Chardonnay if you like Chardonnay. It's on the less expensive end of things. Yeah. So definitely a good one to try if you're unsure about, you know... <laughs> If you like it or not, you're not going to lose a lot of money. But it's one that we we like to drink by itself. And then also, I like making this thing called Bridesmaids Punch. It's called that on Pinterest, but you don't have to be a bridesmaid to drink it. <laughs> but it's like four simple ingredients, and it's really good. And you use a whole bottle of Chardonnay, so you don't want to get like a really nice one to pour it into a punch. Yeah. And so we'll use this one. So it's good by itself or mixed in to something like that. Yeah, I've had your bridesmaid punch before, and it is very good. So good. I guess it's a bridesmaid's punch. I don't know if it was started, like, for wedding showers or something, or because it's pink. I I have no idea, but it's good. (laughs) One of those things. Yeah, maybe we can, um, maybe one day when we 
can finally do a podcast together or something, maybe we can have some bridesmaid punch and do a Instagram story on it or something. Oh yeah, for sure. We'll definitely have to have that one of these days because that's that's a drink you can drink the whole picture of without even blinking an eye. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite kinds, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I've actually had this drink before on the podcast, but it's it's been a while because obviously I can't remember. Um, but it's called High Noon Sun Sips and it's a vodka soda. Very, 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 very good. <laughs> Highly recommend. Um, I do. So we drink a lot of seltzer on this show. <laughs> Which I love a good seltzer. However, mm-hmm. this one's, I think, my favorite. Even though I guess it's not really a seltzer. It's says it's vodka, fruit juice, and sparkling water. So, does that make it a seltzer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what Let the difference know. is. I don't yeah. know. However you define it, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But it's very good. It's 100 calories, um, gluten-free, obviously. Um, and no added sugar. So it's pretty guilt free. And I really like it. It's really good. I got it at Kroger. Cheers for Kroger. I go there every week for our podcast, basically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm having the black cherry flavor, which I know black cherry can be kind of a polarizing uh, flavor for people. But (laughs) I think I like everything black cherry I've ever had. Wow. Black cherry, I I don't really know if I like it or not. I feel like I've had it where I have. I'm not against cherry flavor stuff, but it can go either way. I feel like you have, I remember you talking about that brand, High Noon, but I didn't remember it being a vodka soda. So I honestly okay. didn't know you could get like a canned vodka soda. I will say like, I don't, I don't really know either what classifies something as like a seltzer. But usually those, like a White Claw, something like that, it's like a malt beverage, mm-hmm. aka I don't really know what is making this <laughs> alcoholic, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Whereas this says vodka, so it's an actual liquor in there. Yes, correct. Sorry, I was looking for like the actual ingredient label, but it doesn't really say. It just says vodka with real fruit juice sparkling water in natural flavors they get you in those natural flavors (laughs) for real (laughs) anyway it's very good i definitely recommend definitely something i would have again because i don't know yeah it's just good i gotta try that i don't remember seeing that but i'll look for it next time i go to to k rogers as some (laughs) people say (laughs) people say that uh i think my friend sarah said it i don't know if other people do but i love it well on this can it says awesomeness in a can hard seltzer so (laughs) i don't know anymore (laughs) i'm thrown off i mean a seltzer means it's carbonated i know that much Mm -hmm. So obviously this has sparkling water but like i said these other ones have just like it's like mystery alcohol like yeah (laughs) like you're not really sure what it actually is right yeah you just know there's an alcohol content to it but it's natural flavors you don't know what they are malt beverage you don't know what that is (laughs) and then (laughs) we need an education portion from somebody please who can educate us on if if you if you know a lot about this topic Send us an email and come on our show. Thank you. We need all the help we can get, obviously. Uh, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, every week we talk about a reason why Callan and I should be on The Amazing Race. And since we're talking about high noon, a lot of teams leave at high noon for their (laughs) leg. (laughs) So, Callan, do you have a reason why we should be on The Amazing Race leaving at high noon? I love how in every episode I feel like the connections between segments just get more and more creative. So, you know, we're talking about creativity with Creativity Inc. And basically, we created this podcast to have a creative outlet. So, mm-hmm. we're working those creative muscles. I love it. You just <laughs> never cease to amaze me with the transitions. A reason that Anna and I should be on The Amazing Race is because we can keep up with our fanny pack. 
Hmm. Now, if you don't watch Amazing Race and you wouldn't know that when you're on the show, one teammate gets the honor of always having on the Amazing Race branded fanny pack. This is the most important thing you will ever carry <laughs> on your body. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, this is where you keep your clues and even more importantly, your passport. Okay. Mm-hmm. So many teams over the years have left their fanny pack in a taxi or not been able to keep up with their passports. It's obvious that if you don't have your passport, then you can't really do the show because almost yeah. every episode is in a new country. <laughs> so this is so vital. And Anna and I always talk about how we will sleep in the fanny pack. We will shower in the fanny pack. Yep. <laughs> That's just the number one thing. Like, you just don't take it off. When you drop your, you leave your backpacks in the taxi, they'll hold them for you while you do your challenge. That fanny pack stays on you, so. Yes, because you never know what could happen. Exactly. It's just something you don't want to let out of your sight, really. So, we know the importance of the fanny pack. And my parents have the experience of Disney World fanny packs. You know, we were the early 2000s family with fanny packs on. Yeah. Like, you just got to own it, rock it. Fanny pack is more important than anything else in your life. It's absolutely true. The real question is, though, who is going to wear the fanny pack out of the two of us? Mm, now who wants who will the bear bear that honor <sighs> an honor a privilege and a curse honestly <laughs> <laughs> because that's a lot of pressure i mean i'm fine with i'll i'll wear it if i need to i will too and probably i'm the type of packer like if i am going somewhere on a road trip or something especially a road trip or like a flight even more so i am one of those people who triple checks everything like do i have my shampoo deodorant like all of the like boxes need to be checked so i feel like when we leave the hotel i'm saying we got our two backpacks and the fanny <laughs> the t- the three things we need mm-hmm, true yeah you you're a little more like type a than i am so maybe you should carry it i'll say that i feel confident about it because it's kind of one of those things like you know how if you wear a hat for a day when you take off the hat you can feel on your head like where the hat is missing okay? that's true I feel like the fanny pack is the same. Like, if you're used to it being strapped on your waist, if it's gone, you feel the difference. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it will just become, like, another body part. Right. Like, another limb. <laughs> on to the next portion of our show. Can you call it a show? Do people say that? I think we can do whatever we want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, on The Amazing Race, you're bouncing back and forth all over the place, walking for miles, maybe in some kind of like car. And it's probably for at least what, 18 cities, 18 countries. So like the amazing race, we're talking about golf today. Woo! I love (laughs) golf. Yes, Callan is a huge fan of golf. We had the Masters recently, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. I remember. I remember stuff. (laughs) Well, I myself am not a, a really smart person with golf. However, if you enjoy Wipeout and golf... You will love Holy Moly. What a great combo. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So Holy Moly was on ABC, obviously, which Wipeout was also on there. So I feel like they were kind of looking for a silly show to come on, you know, family friendly, something funny that people can laugh at, that kind of thing. And so I started watching it. Very first episode, no shame, saw it on Hulu, was very intrigued because it looked so ridiculous. And it is so ridiculous. That's why it's so funny. Now, in the same realm of golf, as in sports, there's also master basketballer Stephen Curry. He's pretty cool. So he's actually one of the producers of the show. And he is the show's golf pro. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's pretty good. I mean, from 
Especially the first season, you see him golf at almost every episode. Not so much the second season, but anyway. Yeah, so there have been two seasons so far. Anyway, the hosts of the show <laughs> are Rob Riggle, who is a comedian <laughs> from... Yeah. Uh, he was on SNL, Step Brothers, 21 Jump Street. Basically any like comedy movie you can think of, he was probably in it. You've definitely seen his face. Yes, he has a memorable face. So he's, you know, obviously the comic relief of the host. Then you have an actual host who is Joe Tessitore, who is a legit commentator for ESPN and ABC. Very nice. So he's more so like, you know, he knows what he's talking about a little more than Rob does. Right. And then you also have a sideline reporter, uh, Jeannie Mai. Oh, yeah. I know her. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like a TV host, right? And she's on Dancing with the Stars at one point. Yeah, she used to host this fashion show situation on like Wii. (laughs) Super random. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was, but that's like where I saw her first. But she she might not be anymore, but at least for a while, she's been a host, uh, one of the co-hosts of The Talk. Is that it? Uh, the Chew, not the Chew. The, you know, there's all those. It's like the Talk, the Chew, not the View, but one of those. She's yeah. been on one of those. The blank. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's she's not really on the show as much as Joe and Rob are, but she has. She's more of like on the field, like talking to the competitors and stuff so she's fun too sideline reporter if you will yes exactly so the first season of the show premiered in june 2019 and then the second season premiered actually in may 2020 which Mm. is as you know pandemic obviously (laughs) yeah Prime pandemic time. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of was, though, because, I mean, there were, like, no sports to watch at that point because nobody was really meeting or anything. So it's kind of funny. Like, I don't really watch a ton of sports, but it's just kind of funny that I'm watching sports, like, in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) If you can call mini golf a sport, I don't know. Uh, The second season, though, was, like, way more ridiculous. Definitely more wipeout than mini golf Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it kind of felt like like they knew like this is our last episode so let's just do whatever we want is kind of the feeling that I got (laughs) where it's just like let's just have fun with it we're probably not getting renewed so we'll just keep (laughs) it going Right. Uh, I don't know if they're getting renewed or not. I haven't heard I'm sure there are a lot of tv shows that are kind of in limbo right now so I don't really know if they're going to be renewed or not. It's fun. You know, it's just easy watching. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the first season of the show had 12 contestants going head to head in matchups um, until three people remained in the uh, at the end of the episode where they go to Mount Holy Moly. Mm. And the winner, so there's a winner every episode. And the winner wins a golden putter, a plaid jacket, and $25,000. Wow. So not too shabby. Worth fighting for. Yeah, definitely. For some mini golf, that's pretty good. Definitely the best episode. (laughs) There's a special guest who makes an appearance. I think this was actually the premiere episode, so that's probably why it was, like, noteworthy. So there's a hole called The Distractor. So basically it's, I don't remember how many feet it is, but you have to put the golf ball to get a hole in one. And the first person to do that, like, wins that matchup. However, there's always a distraction. So, you know, there have been, like, sumo wrestlers, cheerleaders, lumberjacks like people dancing but this premiere episode had the famous international superstar kenny g playing the saxophone (laughs) no way yeah oh my gosh my mom's gonna be excited you know my parents will love kenny g and fun fact about me (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-oh i know you're like what about Callan is a fun fact in regards to Kenny G. I saw Kenny G. Wow. From the womb. Oh. <laughs> it counts. <laughs> you know, they say like 
classical music makes babies smarter. There you so. go. Did she go to a Kenny G concert? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Wow, yeah. Kenny G had an effect on my brain development. There you go. I think now you say that, I think that needs to be an amazing race strength of ours. That that I <laughs> that you had in the womb uninterrupted <laughs> classical music and that's what's made you so smart. <laughs> right. That did it. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll save that one for next time. <laughs> love Kenny G. <laughs> I love it. But that's awesome. I love that he made an appearance on Holy Moly. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciated that. Yeah, so, I mean, that was really noteworthy, was the Kenny G part. That really tugged at my heartstrings. Um, so the second season, I feel, was a little bit better in some ways. So you actually had eight contestants and still doing the head-to-head matchups. There was still a winner at the end of the episode. However, all of those winners went to the finale episode of the season. Okay. So the finale episode of the season, the winner of the finale would win $250,000. Oh my. Yeah. Along with, of course, the golden putter in the plaid jacket, naturally. More important than the money, I would say. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reason I would be there personally. <laughs> but the second season was definitely more ridiculous, like I said. Like, there were definitely more, like, ridiculous obstacles that were like, how is anyone even going to be able to complete this? But anyway, (laughs) definitely the most noteworthy hole that they have is the double Dutch courage, which is kind of like, I guess, like their symbol of like the show. So it's basically like a windmill and you have to putt your way through the windmills to try to get a hole in the one. And since it's mini golf, you know, you got to get through the windmills and then you also have to get yourself past the windmills without getting knocked off into the water. Mm. And then if mm-hmm. you get knocked into the water, it's a stroke penalty. Mm. So as you can imagine, there were great slow-mo moments from that, mm-hmm. for sure. So that one's important, the Double Dutch Courage. And then probably my favorite hole is called hole number two. Now, if you can use your imagination, you have like... It was like 10, I think. Porter potties. All of them oh, no. all of them had a random person like dressed up in some random outfit. Like whether it's like a furry outfit or just like a Halloween costume they found down the street. Everybody is in one of those porta potties. So the contestant puts the ball and they're trying to obviously get a hole in one. If they don't make the hole in one, then you have to run across the porter potties, which after a certain amount of time, the porter potty doors open. And it's a very thin ledge, so if you get hit by the door, you're probably going in the water. Uh, From what I can remember, I think there were only maybe two or three people who ever ran fast enough to beat the doors opening. But again, <laughs> very wipeout, hilarious. I loved it. So hole number two was great. Always a winner. And also, the second season had a lot more, like, returning special guests. So there was a hole called Put the Plank with John Lovitz, who was, like, grade D comedian, maybe? I don't know. He he is one of those people that is, to me, more seen on, like, celebrity reality shows Mm -hmm. than he is on anything of his own doing. Yes. If it says anything, the city that I live in, not a very big city, as I may say. We had a comedy club open recently. Recently is in like probably the last two years. And John Lovitz was one of the people. So if that tells you anything, <laughs> he was one of the people who came to our little town to come to our little comedy club. I didn't know that. Yeah. Part of me is sad that I missed him because I think it would have been really funny to say that I've seen Captain John Lovitz from Holy Moly, but we all live with our life with regrets. So I'm just trying to move on from that. It was him and Sinbad. Oh my God. Yeah. Sinbad was the opening comedian whenever the comedy club opened. So (sighs) I know it's rough. Okay. Probably the worst hole there was, was called Diving Range. Absolutely stupid okay it would have been funny if they did it once but it was a recurring joke which is not funny to me it literally the same joke every time so instead of the usual two contestants going head to head it was three people going head to head 
two of the contestants were like actual mini golf people who were going like to continue on. The third person was like, he goes to a university and he's like, he's like a college level diver. So he's good, obviously. Okay. So you have those three people and they have to do a certain like pretty simple dive. And you have Greg Louganis, who is an Olympic medalist in diving. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, Steve Gutenberg is also there. (laughs) As usual. Right. Who is from Three Men and a Baby and my favorite Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie, It Takes Two. I don't know why he's on there, to be honest, but maybe he needed the money. I don't know. Anyway, every single time they did this hole, shocker, the guy who's the diver actually did the dive the way you're supposed to. Like, you know, like very small amount of water, like very graceful, all that. And their joke was like, oh my gosh, you did horrible. You get a two. And then like the other two people get like a 9.5 and a 9.7. And so obviously those two go on and the real diver does not. And it's like a complete waste of like five minutes of the time. I'm like, why are we still doing this? Anyway. (laughs) It wasn't funny the first time. I mean, it was kind of funny, I guess, the first time, but then it just kept coming on every episode. And I'm like, okay, this is the same joke over and over. Anyways, I digress. Kind of shifting gears from mm, C-list celebrities, we got a little bit higher up. Now, I don't think this person was paid to be on Holy Moly. Just saying. Your favorite, one of your favorite men Zac Efron. Wow. Yeah. He was in the audience cheering on his friend. So it was okay. it was Zac Efron and Josh Dumel. Oh, yeah. I love both of them. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit higher up. Oh, yeah. So Zac Efron, I don't even think spoke a word on the show. <laughs> but They couldn't afford for him to yes. speak words, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. His face was shown and that was more than they could pay. But Josh Shumel was brought up to like the commentator booth or whatever and like made commentary. But Josh and Zach were there cheering on their friend named Tanner. Whoop-de-doo. Lucky guy. <laughs> I know. He's like very, got some famous friends. So yeah. So the contestants all have a defining trait. Literally, like, if you can think of, like, typecasting someone, that's basically what it was. Where, like, they show your name and then they have a quotation around it that says, like, blank. Like, whatever your defining characteristic is. So, like, Zach and Josh's friend was called the White Buffalo for some reason. And shocker, he was white. So, I don't know. And he's from, like, (laughs) Texas. So, we had on, like, a big old cowboy hat. Okay. But. Like, Buffalo. Buffalo dreams vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, what a classic American film to bring out from nowhere. I love it. (laughs) But like the defining traits were like, some of them were just such a reach. It was like, if you mentioned like one thing that you enjoyed, that became your defining characteristic. So like, I like Jell-O. You're the Jell-O guy. Or like, (laughs) there's a grandma who enjoys baking cookies. You're cookie grandma. And then some of them are based off of like occupation or like if they were wearing like a funny outfit or something. But it was interesting. They had some other like social media influencers and then they had people who said they were golf pros. So that's pretty cool. Obviously, this is very different (laughs) than like real golf. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, this has more elements. Yeah, just because they're a golf pro doesn't necessarily mean they'll be good at this mini golf. One special episode that you would really love is a bachelor episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So they had Chris Harrison come on promoting the bachelor, of course, and they had singles playing against other singles. And, you know, there was, like, some flirtation, some sexual tension, and all the usual suspects. Gotta love some tension and some flirting over mini golf. Definitely. (laughs) And over, like, getting your head smashed by a windmill. It's just... So romantic. That's that's my idea of romance, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that special episode was really funny. So then after all of those episodes, the finale episode comes, 
and talk about the most overhyped finale I've ever seen. Okay. Every single episode before this, they were like, this is Stephen Curry's baby. He's been working so hard to build this finale episode course and like it's gonna be the biggest thing you've ever seen. Okay, total letdown, which I'm sure was part Mm. of the joke because it's just like, Mm -hmm. this is it. (laughs) (laughs) But it was called the Tomb of Nefertiti. Mm. And the first person to make a hole in one wins. So it was basically like almost a hundred feet putt and there was like a spinning disc in the middle And then they were like pyramid obstacles throughout. Really, really intense stuff there. So yes, yes. (sighs) There was a lot of hype, little reward there just to to spoil that for you. Now, spoiler for the finale. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of taking a while for people to get a hole in one. Some people are getting like super close. Other people are nowhere close. (laughs) Well, finally we get a winner. And guess who it is? Zach and Josh's friend, Tanner White Buffalo Beard. Tanner. It would be Tanner. (laughs) It would be Tanner. Now, if you look up Tanner Beard on Wikipedia or Google, which I don't even know if he has a Wikipedia. However, he is on Google a lot. He's an actor, the owner of the Mammoth Film Festival, and he also owns a golf apparel line. Oh, wow. Yeah. So also, if you look up Tanner Beard, holy moly, you can join the wonderful world that is Reddit and see everyone who thinks that Holy Moly was rigged so that Tanner Beard could win. Oh, no. To sell his golf apparel? <laughs> <laughs> no, to appease Zac Efron, of course. Well, anything for Zach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But first of all, I'm loving that this is intense enough for there to be a Reddit form about how Holy Moly was rigged. Yes. <laughs> There's like an uprising. There's a lot of speculation out there. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, I hate that if it was rigged. Yeah, I don't know if it was rigged or not. I'm not going to ask that, but it's fun. It's a fun show, you know, other than the finale. I don't recommend the finale. It wasn't anything special, but the show itself is fun. It's like very silly. doesn't take itself seriously at all. And just one of those things where like you can pretty much sit down and watch it with anybody in your house. And you'll probably mm-hmm. chuckle at least once, especially mm-hmm. as you see people get like clotheslined. That's just, I feel like that brings out, you know, here's a psychology moment for everyone. I feel like it brings out like our animalistic gladiatorial, like <laughs> yeah. deep inside of us, those ancestors are coming out where it's just like, yes, like America's Funniest Home Videos. I love seeing people get hurt. It's just one of those things. Yes. Like not seriously hurt, of course. But like, right. you know, knocking your head on something, groin shot, whatever. Mm-hmm. Primal instincts. <laughs> yeah. What a ride. <laughs> Holy moly. Holy freaking moly. <laughs> what a great title for the show. True. I feel like, it, I mean, it's a fun, it's a fun concept because I feel like I, most people have played mini golf at least once, so it just really escalates it a little bit. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you for enlightening me. I had no idea all of these celebrities were involved. I know, me either. I mean, like, whenever I first watched it, definitely this second season has more. I don't know how, but it does. But yeah, if you want to watch one specific season, I would probably recommend the second season. Just because, like, some of the courses are just ridiculous. Like, people getting electrocuted and, like, people on rotating rotisserie hot dogs. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. It's great. Wow. And I watched it on Hulu, so I assume it's still on Hulu. Yeah. Well, maybe we should try out if we can't get on Amazing Race. (laughs) most definitely or if they do a bachelor episode maybe you can get on the bachelor episode find the love of your life while mini golfing wow what a dream (laughs) or at least meet chris harrison that'd be pretty cool hey that would save me the 500 dollars it costs to get a cameo from him 500 dollars to get one from him dang yes chris is running a racket Wow, he ain't cheap. Well, thank you for enlightening me. You're welcome. We love a silly, a silly competition show. 
Definitely. And there are a lot out there. There sure are. Splash, for example. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We have to talk about Splash Uh, one day. We do. Well, speaking of great competition shows, we have the number one competition show in the world, in the universe, in our hearts, The Amazing Race. And tonight, we had the Mega Leg. Leg, 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 leg. (laughs) And a two-hour episode, which is always fun. Yes. It was so fun. The Mega Leg was amazing. I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. And I just enjoyed, you know, changing it up a little bit, but nothing too crazy. Yes. Yeah, it was good. Mega leg for the win. So we start the two-hour episode with all of the racers going to India, which, as you know, a lot of the times whenever they have a flight, it's a great equalizer, which this flight definitely was because it changed up a lot of the the placements that we had. And it basically opens with Ishwar and Aparna talking about how they were born in India and visit there quite often. And we're saying, you know, hopefully that'll be an advantage for them. Definitely. I was excited. I feel like they're a team that isn't shown quite as much. So Mm -hmm. I was curious to see how they performed here and if they had any sort of advantage advantage kind of knowing the culture and knowing their way around kind of I was interested to see their first little challenge was a smog test so they had to get three rickshaws and run whatever tests they do to see like the smog production and I was honestly shocked that two people asked what a rickshaw was <laughs> I know I uh I was wondering if they were thinking of, like, the types of rickshaws where, like, people are driving them. Like what Hayden used to drive on Big Brother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like the biking kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what we rode in New Orleans. Yes. But it was funny because a lot of people called them tut-tuts. Yeah. Which is something that I think last season or maybe two seasons ago, I feel like tut-tut was mentioned maybe on Survivor or The Amazing Race. But yeah, it was interesting how people were unsure what a rickshaw was and then other people were calling it a tut-tut and then Ishwar and Aparna were calling it an auto. So it was just like... (laughs) All over the place. Evidently, no one did rickshaw rally VBS at church growing (laughs) up. Okay. (laughs) Because in second grade, I knew what a rickshaw was. (laughs) One of those life moments that could really help us on the race, you know? Exactly. Yes, that was super interesting. And the challenge was interesting as well. After that, they had the detour where they could either do the Swiggy food delivery or the binary code, like catching and then solving the clue. Mm-hmm. Both looked kind of fun and honestly doable. I, I ended up, after I watched both of them, I kind of thought the food delivery looked easier. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it just depends what your strengths are. Because Hung mm-hmm. and Chi, as we saw, were having a very difficult time with the binary game, I guess is what you call it. And they just like could not get a strategy down and they seem to really excel with the food delivery. I mean, to me, they seem like they communicate well as, and they're good with directions. So I feel like, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that's probably whatever you're more suited with. In our hypothetical race, I feel like we would do fine in either one. But it's definitely interesting that probably the more like quote unquote physical teams like uh, Riley and Madison and Gary and D'Angelo didn't pick the food delivery, which seems more of like a physical challenge because like you're running around more so than like a mental competition with like solving the binary um, code to get the message. So that was kind of interesting to me, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we could do fine with either one. To me, probably the binary game would be a little more fun just because I like games. <laughs> and I guess you couldn't eat the food which is kind of a bummer (laughs) true yeah I think we could do either I uh, I think 
the the binary code i didn't think it looked that hard once they explained like how you got the letters like it's just kind of like a a word puzzle which i feel right. like we're, we would be fine with also like i thought the food delivery seemed pretty simple like as long as you could understand what the person was saying over the phone like you literally just did what they told you to do so yeah i really under i didn't know why caitlin and Haley were struggling so much i felt like they were almost like overthinking it and asking so many questions that they confused the person giving them directions yeah because there was that that one part where they kept asking so this is what we do so this is what we do and all the guy was saying was cross the road right <laughs> we're like no just cross the road like what do you not get about cross yes. the road yeah I think so where it's just like you're overthinking in that moment and it seemed to me like Hung and Chi were able to almost pick out like bigger landmarks or maybe like street signs as opposed to maybe Kaylin and Haley were saying like a random hostel name or like it sounded like just like random like restaurants or something so maybe it wasn't he's kind of like uh not really sure where you are kind of thing who knows we do we do know that Kaylin and Haley do struggle with directions, so they're Achilles heel. Mm, yeah. Will and James ended up yielding Haley and Kaylin. What'd you think about that? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, later on in the episode, Will and James mentioned that the reason they yielded the blondes, as they called them, the or the the blonde bandits, I think is what they call them. <laughs> yeah, somehow they got that name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That they yielded them because they knew that Hung and Chi were further behind. And as it's mentioned kind of throughout the episode, that within the Mine Five, there's an Onion Alliance, as uh, Big Brother people would call it. Um, (laughs) You have like the three main alliance, which is Will and James, Hung and Chi, and Riley and Madison. So kind of the three of them are starting to work closer together and wanting to keep those three together, not necessarily caring too much about making sure Ishwar and Aparna and Gary and D'Angelo are also included in that group. So, I mean, I understand why they yielded the blondes, it's just ironic that they were the ones who were like pushing for Kaylin and Haley to use their yield last episode to, on mm-hmm. Leo and Alana. And now they're using it against them because they can't retaliate. I don't know. So like, I can understand why they were doing it, especially later on when he explained we're basically doing it to help Hung and Chi to make sure that they're going to be ahead of them. Yeah, I get the Hung and Chi thing and... If that was the only reason, then that makes sense to me. But part of me was thinking, was that really necessary? Like, Mm -hmm. they were in first place, and they were going to yield the team in last place that was way behind. Right. So, I was almost thinking, are they yielding just to yield? Like, because (laughs) they have the opportunity, and... They're almost out of opportunities to yield. Right. And I mean, the clue literally says this is your last time to use the yield. I mean, they are known to be the super fans of the show. So I feel like they want to do absolutely everything. Like they U-turned. Yeah. They're the first people to U-turn and then yielding this episode. So I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's just like in the back of their minds too it's like wouldn't it be fun to you know use this mechanic of the game just to say that you had and makes it more exciting true that probably is an element for sure i'm sure it would be for us as well (laughs) yeah it's like yeah we can say we did it all (laughs) yeah exactly so kaylin and Haley reach the yield board and are not happy about it understandable and then we have a roadblock which was very interesting very unique and it's kind of funny because it kind of kind of like we were talking about with uh science and art coming together it was a lot of like the digital world coming together with like ancient architecture kind of deal was it ancient was that classified ancient ancient i don't know yeah yeah it looked pretty old (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) india is pretty old so i guess that makes sense (laughs) yeah that was a really interesting one. My mom and I, when we were watching it, we were saying that it seemed like that was one that 
would be easier to understand like if you were in person as mm-hmm. far as how they're figuring out where they needed to place the people right and then it also confused us that you didn't have to match like the facial like facial hair or anything like that yes. like it was just the turban Mm-hmm. So that kind of threw me off as as well. So hopefully Same. in person, it would have made more sense. But it was yeah. still fun to watch. It was interesting. And yeah, there were a lot of like a bit confusing elements like what happened with James where like he didn't realize the placement that he had was different. Yeah. And then I can't remember who it was, but made the connection that whoever makes that placement, you can't use that person Mm -hmm. again. So that was Mm -hmm. interesting as well. Yeah, that seemed to be like helpful and a disadvantage because in a sense, it narrowed down for you where the the correct placement for your person was. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, like Kaylin and Haley who got there last... They might have been, you know, down at the bottom and found a person and they get up there and they realize that that person has already been placed. So you have to start over and kind of go backwards in a sense. So I could see it being beneficial or, you know, challenging. Yeah, definitely. So we finished the first hour with everyone... Everyone pretty much being done with the roadblock and heading towards the next clue. And Kaylin and Haley are at the... Either they were waiting at the yield or at the roadblock. I can't remember how the episode ended. But it said, to be continued... And then a couple ads later, it was continued. So since it's a Megaleg, they had another detour and another roadblock ahead of them. So the detour, it was cool because the only thing the clue said was this or that. Which one would you have picked? Would you have said this or that? I feel like it would have just been so random in the moment. I have no idea. I want to say that because everyone was choosing this, which was interesting to me. I thought it was like a weird kind of human experiment. (laughs) And I don't know what it says about people that almost every team chose this instead of that. Yes, I noticed that as well. And before the first team team chose this, I was thinking in my head, I would choose that. I don't know why. I guess just because it's the second choice. But yeah, it was interesting that almost every team chose the first option, which again was very interesting because... Sometimes on the race, like one thing is more almost luck oriented and the other side of the detour is more skill oriented. And that kind mm-hmm. of seemed the way it was where like they made the this part of the detour was finding bangles for a bride. And that could be like they said, I think it was Gary who said this is a needle in the haystack scenario. And yeah. then on the opposite side, you have making dentures for people so that can be a little less like luck oriented just hoping that you find that bracelet or bangle that you're looking for yeah the bangle thing (laughs) so when I was watching them like (laughs) dig through the cart of bangles Mm -hmm. it reminded me of like at Walmart like digging through (laughs) the bins of like the movie (laughs) yeah yeah, like you're looking for a specific one in that $5 bin, you know? Yes, that's so true. Oh my gosh. So many Saturday nights spent in that bin trying to find, like, a movie, a special movie oh, out there. Oh, I that's know. funny. Yeah, and like moving the stacks and seeing repeats, you know, mm-hmm. all that. It just brought that to my mind. <laughs> That's so true, though. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. But then the dentures, uh, I laughed when Hung was like, let's do that when it's gross. No one's going to want to do that one. <laughs> yes. And I loved her comparison to like parenting and how mm-hmm. parenting is just nasty. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I yes. felt so bad for those people because I'm like, I really hope they get free dentures because of this. Because they're probably so uncomfortable with these random, like, untrained people putting (laughs) this mold in their mouth. Oh, my gosh. I know. That was very, very interesting Mm -hmm. uh, little challenge. Yeah, it was. Well, after that, they got to get all dressed up and get the royal treatment, ride in the carriage, all of that. Yes. And they had to bring a couple, which during the episode, I was like, oh, I wonder if the roadblock or something is going to be questions about their couple that they rode with. But then, like, nothing came about (laughs) with that. (laughs) 
that would have been cool though yeah how interesting yeah i was like maybe about what they're wearing or if like they talk about something or their names yeah Yeah. nothing you're right Hmm, that would have been cool well uh there was another yield and guess what the blonde bandits got yielded (laughs) again they did this time by riley and madison the volleyball brothers again the first place person yields the last place <laughs> yeah, like I understand that Kaylin and Haley are the only team at this point not in the alliance, mm-hmm. you know, the the mine five alliance. Right. So if you're going to yield and this is your last time to yield, I guess if you're going to do it, then you you only have the option to yield the people outside of the alliance. But it's just like, really? Yeah. They're already way back there. They've already been yielded today. Just like, okay. Yeah. This is getting excessive. And I heard people compare this season of The Amazing Race to this past season of Big Brother. Oh, wow. Yeah, sure, though. Which, I mean, that's a a whole other topic, but I don't think it's that bad, mainly because it's not stretched out for, uh three months for three (laughs) days a week longer if you're watching the live feeds but yeah I thought that was really funny just because it's like oh this big alliance and then they pick off everybody one by one and it's just kind of boring which I don't Mm -hmm. think it's I don't think it's boring um I can we've talked about this before alliances I can see the advantage of them but also sometimes they can not be very entertaining yeah I don't think it's I don't think it's boring because I think the challenges are interesting to watch Mm -hmm. no matter what the situation is but we've expressed our feelings about the alliance and um at this point it is what it is I'm glad that they're about to not have a choice but to pick each other off or Mm -hmm. you know just race normally but I don't know. I'm excited for when we're not just straight up walking up to someone and telling them how to do the challenge. Yes, that was that's the most frustrating thing is literally walking up and saying sauerkraut. Yeah, that's not very compelling. Yeah, it's just it's not good TV. Yeah, I'll say that. Right. So speaking of that, the roadblock was to prepare a table for the royal dinner. So they had to pick a place setting and match that matches um, the example inspired by the art in this building, which was very interesting to me, I thought. And they had to yeah. do it 10 times, so 10 different table settings. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not choose the most difficult napkin fold. Like, one of them walked up and said, oh, yeah, I'll do the fan. I was like, what? No. no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a Parna. She walked up and she was like, okay, all of these look really hard, but this napkin looks like it's the least difficult. And I think that's what uh-huh. I would go for. Because I know, yes. I you know, you can figure out how to set the table. The napkin thing is not something I know how to do. So I would want that no. to be as easy as possible. I did find it super interesting how they, how Riley noticed the yardstick that was out there. And mm-hmm. he eventually figured out like the measurements that he needed for all of the plates. And then he specifically chose to tell James, but not Gary. And that was an interesting choice, which of course later... When Hung gets to the challenge, James tells her, but not Gary and Aparna. You're seeing the alliance, like the core group, the onion, as you said, (laughs) is starting to uh, separate. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. It's also interesting to me that like, I would say those three, uh, Hung and She, Riley and Madison and Will and James are the three strongest teams. So it's interesting to me that they all want to go to the final three with one another. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that's super, super interesting. But I love it personally, because Mm -hmm. I feel like especially like on Survivor Big Brother, it's like people will, you know, they want to take the quote-unquote weak person to the end or Mm -hmm. the goat quote-unquote to the end it's like that's not super compelling but if I were in this in the game I would understand that strategy you would have but yeah I like that they've they stick with those three and the three of them have won at least 
one leg. I mean, they've won multiple, I think. All of them have won multiple. So, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's more fun to watch the strong teams face off than, you know, rigging it to where you can beat the weaker teams. So, (laughs) definitely. The ruler with the table setting, I thought that was interesting that they didn't all like notice that or figure out necessarily what it's for i mean again Mm -hmm. sometimes i wonder like well how long would it have taken them actually like how long would it have taken james to do the measurement if he didn't have that you know all of these challenges a lot of them i don't feel like we know exactly how they would have played out if they hadn't been given the answer d'angelo never would have figured out sauerkraut like you know (laughs) it just would be a different game if we weren't all helping each other so it's interesting to me but the ruler thing was funny to me because i feel like i've seen enough downton abbey to see that and know yeah we've got to measure out the play settings (laughs) (laughs) they've all got to be the same yeah having everything exactly where it needs to be well Unfortunately for Kaylin and Haley, their luck finally ran out. I mean, after being yep. yielded twice, I, I'm not sure they ever saw another team on the mega leg. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know how they would have caught up, honestly, unless another yeah. team just bombed a challenge. Right. And But, you know, like we've talked about, they've had a good spirit and they obviously have a strong relationship and, you know... Despite everything, they had a good time, it seemed like. Yeah, I'm really happy for them, and I like them a lot. And I'm glad they made it as far as they did with all the challenges they've had to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I guess that about does it for our Thanksgiving Eve. So thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure to tell your friends and your family. And please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and shoot us an email. Like we talked about with our alcohol questions, we would love some help with that. We'd love some drink recommendations you have, any shows you want us to talk about or books or podcasts, all the above. We'd love to hear from you and connect. We love interacting with everybody. So hit us up on the web. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that about does it. I'm Anna. And I'm Callan. And in the words of Bra Briggle, put up or shut up.